0: What did you write? Just write, join.
1: I wrote the same, but obviously the imperialist nature, the tone of my voice, the command and the gravitas of the vena.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the Vassals of Kingsgrave, Wolfcast edition our review of the second episode of the first season of House of the Dragon. My name is Patrick the Toll, and we are an off- offshoot of the podcast of Ice and Fire. We, in general, talk about everything from anime to video games, to books, to everything really. Uh, but we're especially known for uh, diving into the Game of Thrones when it, it was airing. Uh, So we're glad to be back, and uh, in general, in this episode, we will be spoiling the books, all the books of George R. R. Martin, but we will not be spoiling past season five of Game of Thrones, since I personally have not seen um, past that, and some of the other people who listen to this have not either. So for another, a more full spoiler uh, experience, you can go for the Dragoncast, who is also part of the Vassal of the trade. I am joined here today by Bina.
1: Hey everyone, it's Bina 007 on the Discord server.
0: And uh, Sarah.
1: Hey everyone, it's Sarah, aka Dr. Blood.
0: We also have Elle.
1: Hey guys,
2: it's Elle, Nettles. Um, glad to hear from everybody.
3: We also have Bing. Hello, this is Bing. Once upon a time, what's a huge name?
0: And lastly but not least, uh, Jock. I'm Jock. Also, Jock and social media. So this was an episode where we we saw, a, it was a slow episode, to be completely honest. We had a lot of council meetings, we had a lot of talks between different characters, and we got to you get a better feel of them. But uh, if we weren't to go to into the lemon cakes, um, would you like to start out, Bina, uh, telling us what you would give them?
1: Well, I think I gave the last episode a four and a half, and, and just because I think, you know, you saved the five for the... Battle of the Blackwater-style episodes. But I would give this an equally high rating because what you call slow, my dear friend, I call an emotional roller coaster and huge character plotting that brings us to what's going to be the ultimate civil war. So I loved seeing Alicent and uh, Rhaenyra develop their characters in opposition to each other. And I just thought it was just full of great acting. So yeah, I did not find it slow.
0: (laughs) You are entitled to your opinion. Sarah. What about you?
4: Um, I agree with Bina. Um, I really enjoyed the characterizations that happened and um, I was especially impressed by how radical and atmospheric shift they enacted um, between the first episode and this one and how neatly it was done and how it still felt cohesive as a whole show. So I'm going to go also um, four and a half, maybe 4.75 if we're really parsing our lemon cakes. but. yeah, I, I'll save the 5 for a showstopper, but it's a 5 across the board for me so far, like just the show itself. Um so like 4.5.
0: Wow. Okay, that's that's high praise. Uh L
2: I'm going to go with and I believe I did a 4 for the first episode as well. Um a 4 though. I'm kind of in the middle between Bina, Sarah, and you as that it was an emotional roller coaster and definitely an emotional ride for sure, with all of the things that happened and the characterization of everybody kind of building it up to where we know it's going to go. But yes, I can admit, especially compared to last week, it was slow in that pace. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't bad or wasn't as good as the first episode, but meat is really what brought me as opposed to initially going from a 3.5 to a 4. So I'll say a 4.
0: Very nice.
3: Uh, Bing? With a 4.75. I really like this episode. It was really nice. Um, wow. Well, uh, I think, yeah, I think the, the characterization is something that was, I feel, missing from the first episode. It was really, really got, they really, really got into it this episode. Um, one of my complaints from the last episode was that I don't feel like there's such a strong, they're, 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 you don't get the sort of the strong characters that we saw from the first episodes of Game of Thrones. I think they really did that job here in the second episode, so that's a good thing. And I really like Viserys. He's just a nerd who wants to, he, should, he really shouldn't be the king. He really shouldn't be thinking figurines. And in studios, contemporary stuff like that.
1: life, he'd be an adult fan of Lego, wouldn't he?
3: Or 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 Warhammer, <laughs> or, some, or, or something like that.
0: So you're saying you would marry him?
1: I'm not saying, I would. I don't i marry him. but I am married to. Uh, yeah. uh, uh,
0: uh, sure.
3: equally, yeah. Okay, so he's a good, co- he's a good dude. Yeah. If not, he didn't have to be the king. Well, we'll yeah. get well, him. your
1: cool. dude. Into in later in this episode, my friend. Mm. <laughs>
4: i too um, am espoused to an adult fan of Lego, so that that hit home for sure real <laughs> <I'll laughs> <feel> pain sir um <laughs> uh,
0: well, we'll move on to Jock, then um probably about the same three out of five um find it quite a change in the character, but um the book version
2: of uh mostly married an eleven year old and the show version um um was against marrying and a twelve year old so
0: He's, um certainly um a lot better than in the books and the show yeah jock jock is' it's different <laughs> um but yeah um to round it out um I, was, I would give it probably the same maybe a three point five this time I mean there's a a lack of see, uh, scenes that I really dislike this turn this time which of course is good but also it lacks some of the scenes that I really liked last time, so I don't know. It's it was on on the whole better than last time, definitely. So I'll give it a three point five. I mean, cakes okay, so, out, yeah, out of five. So no, we've done this, and uh, before we go into the whole discussion about the sh- the show proper, um, I was um, you know, I was you know being a asked me whether or not it would be a good idea for us to have a little lore drop, not about the books, but about this podcast itself. And, um, well, I've, I think I've found something that sort of tells the short version of the story I'll just do this right now. So there's a castle in Doran called Kingsgrave. This is the ancestral home of house Manwoody. A house name so hilarious, it must have been named so as a jest. A podcast of fire claimed in the beginning of time this name uh, and castle for their own. And we, being an offshoot, owning its allegiance, uh, to said podcast of of the man-woody persuasion would naturally be vassals of Kingsgrave, which is hence our name. So is there anything more to add to that, uh, Bina or, or or Bing, for that sake?
1: No, oh, I think it's just important that the listener knows if the listener's stumbling upon this podcast for the first time doesn't know who the fuck we are. That we are basically named as a group of people after House Woody because we thought it was cool in a Beavis and ButtHead kind of way that George Armont <laughs> R. R. made a dick
0: joke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and there's also a house called Blackwoody, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, but Man Woody just sounded like a penis joke, and we thought yeah. it was cool that George would throw one in. So that yeah. that our 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 origins are not illustrious; they are <laughs> they are very firmly um, juvenile. So
3: was, yeah. <laughs> I think specifically the the, the hosts of uh, some uh, the podcast of Ice and Fire was the were the first ones to find it extremely funny and adopted Man Woody, and then we all sort of joined the banners because I think we all share their humor.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, if you go to the podcast Vison Fires um, site, you can actually see a a banner, a sigil for the House of Man House Manwoody, like the the actual sigil, I think. Whilst we have a bastardized version of it uh, for our own sigil here. So, but it's that's... a
1: cool sigil because it's like a white skull with a golden crown on top. Because the original King Alvin Manwoody killed um well he killed a king of of one of the Rhoynar kings and made himself a king until Queen Nymiri came down and put him back to being a lord so it is quite a piratical quite cool sigil I feel although I discovered today that house man has no house words so if any of the listeners or the vassals can think of good house words that also hint at dick jokes then they should for sure send those in at least to <laughs> me I mean Never mind anyone else.
4: <laughs> Snort or a giggle, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. From now on, on WolfCast, we'll do a special section in, at the end where just people, we, we just run through uh, possible house words.
1: Yeah, the filthier, the better. Yeah,
0: anyway, definitely.
1: Anyway, on to the sensitive topic of this uh,
0: episode. <laughs> yeah, so the first scene, as you might say, is the intro. It's uh, basically the same music as uh, the original Game of Thrones, uh, but set in, a, in the Freehold of Valeria, uh, or at least the model of the Freehold of Valeria. And you also see crests that sort of signifies different um, characters of different kings uh, and queens from, uh, from the line of the Targaryens, um, and blood running from, from one place to another through the, the different kings and queens. Um, so any, uh, any thoughts about that?
1: thought it was a bit weak that they didn't have new music and i guess it's just they want to establish continuity with game of thrones and with the ip and just it maybe commercially they felt it made sense but i thought it i was really looking forward to a a new theme and i felt that the opening credits were a bit weak like i get what they're trying to do they're just not as impressive as original game of thrones completely agree
4: i I think that they could have pretty effectively bridged the gap between the commercial interest in the connection and a new version just by re-recording it with a different instrumental composition, right? Like if they had played it on an organ or, um, you know, something like that to make it feel older or make it feel, you know, more... Um, you know, darker, or grittier, or something. I I just think that there was an opportunity there to to riff on the original um, and keep it largely intact, but still make the impact a little bit different. And I I wish that they had gone that direction instead of just dropping the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think they should play it on the accordion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ukulele. <laughs> I mean, there are so many like sort of famous rock stars who wanted cameos in Game of Thrones, I mean, you just get one of those guys to do a version, right? I mean, I mean, dear God, not Ed Sheeran, but I'm sure there's an actually cool band out there, like the Arctic Monkeys or someone who would want to do it.
4: Um, got, like a death metal version or something. Yes. Yeah, that feels <laughs> appropriate. To the content, it does. Right?
1: Right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Last episode, this episode, not too much. Uh, some sort of rearrangement, maybe. I feel like just to make make its it's exactly the same. Down to the down down to the, the the weird pauses in the middle so that they can elongate it sometimes when they want to go to different places, which doesn't make sense for this for, for this opening.
4: Yeah, even if they had generated something like The Reigns of Castamere, where it's like a signature song for the Lannisters, um, but for the Targaryens and then woven that through the game because this sort of implies that game of thrones song is actually the targaryen song which i don't think is fair necessarily so yeah i don't know i wish they had they had distinguished it in some way but
1: um yeah yeah. 20 million per episode throw ramin jowadi some some more money for sure
2: well me personally being a synthwave fan and fan of (laughs) a retro synth some synthesizers would have been pretty awesome (laughs) a version of that but uh that will never happen Uh, i um actually i was kind of happy to hear the original song for the opening credits um i didn't mind it i know why they probably did it for the continuity issues but i was super confused i think it just didn't go with what they were doing with the opening scene it felt really disjointed and just not put together well like Even though we couldn't, I I didn't know what they wanted us to do. Do you want us to kind of make out and like kind of read the story and like what's happening and kind of like when we looked at Winterfell, we were going to King's Landing and such and such. It felt really disjointed to me. They didn't go together. Whatever way that they should have went, they should have kind of made it flow a little bit better.
4: I feel like your opening visuals shouldn't need footnotes and this one definitely did like once i read the breakdown of what all the symbols were and sort of the intent behind it um it, i mean it's very striking but the fact that it doesn't read even for like you know mega lore fans like us um i mean i looked at the situation and I was, what the hell are those things you know what i mean and and i felt like it, you know they were minor houses or i didn't know and um i found that frustrating because i feel like it, it should have been more readily um, more legible, um, like up front, rather than having to kind of parse it behind the scenes.
0: Oh, you didn't get that, Sarah. Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I didn't get it either. So you're please <laughs> correcting that.
2: And it's kind of like if you know these big ass nerds can't get it, can't read it, can't see it. <laughs> um, what the hell is everyone else supposed to do?
0: So I have a theory, and I th- I think it's. Uh, uh, it's Yeah, it's very likely. I'm, I think, I'm calling it now. I think they're going to change Viserys' death to him instead of being impaled on the th- Iron Throne, he's going to be impaled on his own model city. And that's the blood running through.
1: <laughs> oh no. The answer to Els, well, what are we meant to do, is so we're meant to go onto the Reddit because Mr. Corp Reddit thread where someone had absolutely passed every single image in the opening credits on which bit of Targaryen history it referred to. Say so thank God for the Reddit nerds because they're another level of nerd from us. My
4: favorite part about the intro was the bottomless well that was the Targaryen sigil at the end. And I i thought it was very um extremely foreboding in a very negative way that all of this blood, you know, connected all of these different pathways and all these things. And then eventually it all just poured into a hole in the ground. And that's the Targaryens. <laughs> um, which is not inappropriate for for the way that this thing goes, but it was um like, oh that's
0: not good for them. No. Well, um, let's move on to the first real scene, uh, the small council. So the council have gathered to discuss the choosing of a new Kingsguard and trouble at the Stepstones. Rhaenyra proposes dragons, which is silly, and silly silly little girls should go play with knights.
3: Um
0: What do you think about that, Bean?
3: I think it's good that they immediately, in the beginning of this episode, establish Rhaenyra's character this episode is really important for her. We didn't really get to see her enough in the last episode, I think, uh, enough to make, make her stand out on her own. Um, and this episode did. And I think her actress, or well, current actress, unfortunately, I think she won't be acting in this role for a very long time, but uh, she did a really good job.
0: Definitely. Bina, you had something about uh, the small council?
1: I mean, it's a throwaway line, but the fact that they're always drinking wine probably doesn't help the quality of decision making. I also really want to know what the flipping balls in the disc signify. Never seen that anyone really use them apart from put the ball in. Is it meant to be like passing the, the speaking horn or what's going on with that? Do they do they put the balls in a bag and vote in some way? Do they just fondle their balls? I don't know. I mean, what's going on? I, th- I, I thought we thought maybe
4: it was like a just a a time card that you punch in, right? Like that it was. Which your face <laughs> at the table seems like it would have the same,
1: <laughs> the, the same effect. Although I there was my ass on a chair. I
4: feel like- right. Of... <laughs> exactly. Like I am the ball. Um. But there's but there's one scene, and I think it might be this first one where Corliss doesn't actually place his ball. <laughs> the whole, um and i i thought that was like if you're gonna have these if you're gonna go balls out on the table like it's, you know <laughs> it was a very interesting omission of that like weird recently established pattern that he yeah, seemed not vape. to check in you know like he was just there on his own rather than as like part of the council or i don't know what you know what might have suggested. or maybe he just forgot his ball that day i don't i don't know but
1: yeah i mean i, I wonder if maybe you could have proxy votes like you could give your ball to someone else if you can attend the meeting um, no, that's interesting
0: it's maybe made of like Dragonstone, Dragon Glass or or something. Something like that.
1: Or maybe the writers of Game of sorry, of House of the Dragon are a bit like George R. R. Martin and just wanted to put in a running visual gag about people funding their balls.
0: Yeah, that's that might be it. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Does seem like an unfortunate,
4: you know, reinforcement of what Rainus was saying about, you know, how important the
1: scepter and balls are for governing the realm. Indeed. But in general, though, I mean, like, all joking aside, the small council, considering how we saw the small council in Game of Thrones, which was fairly dysfunctional, the king basically never turning up or overriding them. I mean, this feels like a functional council whereby the king turns up, takes it seriously, takes advice from all sides. Yes, they have disagreements, but they try and sort them out. I mean, it, it does feel like we are seeing... Um, you know, Westeros in a different era and a better era, better governed era, no matter how much they go on about how fragile it is, than the bankrupt, completely dysfunctional realm we saw with Robert. So it's quite nice seeing it just the machinery of government just working in a way.
0: It definitely shows how horrible Robert was. Um, you, might say,
4: you might say Robert dropped the ball.
0: Oh. <laughs> hiya. Um, so, Jack, you have something about uh, drinking? Yeah, maybe the or Lanera overfed in everybody's cup, so that she appears the smartest in the room.
1: I think she is arguably one of the smartest yeah. in the room, right? I mean, if they'd ever let her get a word in Edgeways. Yeah.
0: Dragons? She is. Dragons? You silly girl. You shouldn't use her dragons.
1: <laughs> I was also thinking, actually, what an amazing education it, uh, it was. And I was thinking to our Viserys from Game of Thrones, and that, I mean, obviously, he comes across as a complete entitled cock but you know he was not raised in a court he was not raised in the presence of people acting like kings and showing responsibility and what that means he's never been privy to counsel and the wisdom of council um, and I again it's just it's another contrast with how she's being raised to how Viserys was raised in, in Game of Thrones and that's kind of impressive and it just reminded me a bit also of um Arya with um Tywin Lannister as well but you can use it to your benefit, right, if, if you're... Although it's kind of like quite a menial job to be effectively a squire to the council, but you can use it to your benefit.
4: Well, I, I understood that in Fire and Blood as being... A purposeful choice on Viserys's part to make her there, so that she would be present and, and she would sort of get to oh. know the day to day business of the realm, and that he, he, you know, as the realm's delight from the beginning, like he wanted her close to him. He didn't want her away from him, and, and he wanted her to be kind of at the heart of things from the very beginning, even in that, you know, relatively sort of menial um, service, but the, that it was a means to an end. And I feel. Already, you know, I, I thought this in the first episode and I feel like they've continued down this path of doing like a major disservice to her character and her later motivations
1: by underplaying that so aggressively.
3: Mm.
1: I completely agree. And I think it also, it kind of makes Viserys feel less consistent because why have her close? Because she is the realm's delight, but also his delight. But then cut her off and undermine her so much when she wants to use that learning and make a contribution. Um, you know, in this... Apparently, they have very little relationship. You know, he hasn't spoken to her in her grief. alison has kind of taken on the role that actually one might have expected between, you know, father and daughter to come together in this time of grief. And it's, it's, it's almost like which which way do you want it to be? Why is she in the small council um, if her father loves her? If he actually is incredibly distant, it's so confusing
3: to me. Well, I think maybe to give the the show credit in my show, sort of the, the before and after of uh, the uh, uh, before and after his wife died. Sort of before, where he, he probably more energetic and probably want to get Rhaenyra more involved, whereas the after version shows a sort of a, almost a dead man walking at times that uh, is indecisive, that become much more indecisive, much more, but also m- much more prone to lash out at times, emotionally unstable, maybe. Um, and and not quite as good as in terms of decision making as before. Maybe.
0: I think it was le- quite level-headed most of the time, actually. I think it was only uh, in, in this.
3: But, yeah, but I think with, with the most major decision in uh, this episode, it shows that he's going directly with his heart.
0: So any, any other uh, opinions on this uh, scene? Or should we go on? Vamanos. OK. So we're going to the choosing of the king's guard and it's basically a scene where uh Rhaenyra is uh choosing which uh king's guard she finds the most competent to fill the role of a uh, uh of a king's guard. They're one short because the uh, commander of the guard uh died uh and now they're one short. Uh so for her catching uh, catching poachers and poking each other at tourneys is In Rhaenyra's opinion, all that most of these knights are good for, except for Kristen Cole. So I think she's showing that she has a will of her own as like the first real uh, time where she can show and she actually gets to make a decision. And that's good for her character, I think. Any other opinions?
1: And it's a wise decision because she's not swayed by um, old houses. She's swayed by who actually has competent battle experience and can provide her father protection. So it shows both wisdom and love for her father. I think it's a, it's a cool scene. And you can just see Otto Hightower, who just comes across as incredibly conservative, just getting really dis- un- discomforted by this woman. He has a voice and is more than, quote, unquote, a royal womb. And having the will to really kind
2: of stand up and kind of move right past him as well. And you could tell he was really frustrated and a bit probably uh, worried about that as well because she kind of really was really smooth with it really no hesitation and very very impressive will
4: i think it was also um a gestures similar to the moment that she had with Damon and the necklace, where I have the sense from her, even in these first two episodes, that she is very, very firmly rooted in Targaryen history in a very practical kind of way. Um, so she she takes it as her identity. She speaks Valerian very freely with Damon. And in this case, her selection of a, a lower ranking person with more battle experience is perfectly in keeping with the first King's Guard, Right. And, and how that was established in the beginning. Um, so yeah, she has this, this kind of like a practical continuity, I guess, maybe the, the best way for me to describe it, that like, she's aware of what it means to be a Targaryen in ways that should be very helpful for her. could be very helpful for her.
2: So I know I could have looked it up um, to double check. Uh, was it the Lord Commander that passed or was it just a regular member of the King's Guard? Because I thought the, Lord Commander was the knight who was escort that escorts her everywhere. Who I can't—the name escapes me right now. But I was confused about that.
0: It was—I think it was the Lord Commander. It was the, ol- the old guy in the last episode that was standing uh, at the uh, small council as well. I think he died like within the last six months, and then that guy who's escou- uh, escorting them now is the new Lord Commander. Uh, and I, I, got it. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> remember the names either, but. I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. Um.
4: I just wanted to point out Rainey's, like lurking throughout that whole scene, too. I thought that was such an interesting, like, the way it was framed and the way it was filmed, and that she's just this silent presence, and you're sort of forced to wonder like what, what she's doing there, what she's looking for, what she's just thinking. That um, she was very powerful, even though she didn't have any, um, any lines. She still had a really strong presence in that scene, which I thought was interesting.
0: Hmm. Moving on. Um, so we're going to the I'm calling this the company in the king's own chambers which is an abridged one because I'm putting this one together with, with the later uh, scene with El- when Allison returns and and uh, gives him the gift um, so the king and Allison reminisce about the good old days and lost legacies and a dragon is broken which can be foreshadowing maybe um, so I think that alicent mending that the dragon breaking in in Viserys hands and uh alicent then mending it and giving it to him as a gift is if not foreshadowing it's like a signal from her to to um to vicerius that she can help him be mended so to I say
1: mend your broken heart yes <laughs> is this where we're gonna get into how much agency alicent has and how much she likes what she's doing or is that coming later?
0: No, it's, right. it's now.
1: <laughs> you go, Al. You go. Uh,
2: uh, yeah. Uh, I mentioned earlier that um, it's a kind of, I don't want to do it. You know, it wasn't my idea to do it. My father is pushing this and I'm a dutiful daughter. But holy shit, I'm fucking good at this. Like, I have the stomach for it kind of thing and you know I it's my best friend and you know this it it it's hurtful she's aware of what she's doing and and how it's going to come out and how Renee is going to feel and how it will affect their relationship but to me I just couldn't help but feel a very um an air of success on her and again I could be completely reading into this I can completely be overstating her agency but I definitely definitely think that she has more that it's you know it's showing up to be or how the showrunners are kind of making the lens of it to be I, I definitely agree with bina on that there is plenty of agency going on it there at least to an extent that's
1: it i i agree with you Ellen. i think to me there are huge historical parallels with how i i mean what do i know that's an absurd statement with Anne Boleyn, where your father decides he's going to put you in the path of a king who needs a new wife, um, and you are young and comely. I hate that phrase, um, and you have no choice. It's a patriarchy. You know that at some point you're going to be married to some lord or other. Um, you're not going to have much choice in the matter if your father decides to make an alliance. But hey, you can be allied to a king, and your your children can be kings and queens. So, and there is, I think, for a girl at that age. A sort of pleasure in sexual awakening and realizing actually you have some sexual power you can use it, and I think that's what I was detecting in the performance, which may or may not be what's in the books. And I also feel it's an interesting contrast with Rhaenyra, and it and it mirrors what we saw in Game of Thrones that there are there are girls like Arya who see that power structure that they've been raised in and just want to subvert it, want to bring it down. And I guess that's where Rhaenyra is, right? Um, She will be the first if she is a female queen. But there are women who, like Sansa, decide who are also raised in that structure and who are kind of okay with it and just want to be the best they can possibly be within it. And um, they're not rebels, or Marjorie, yeah, or Marjorie, or even you know, Cersei. I think Cersei would have wanted to bring it down, but kind of couldn't. So now it's, I'm going to be the best I can be. I'm going to support my son and make him king and have power through him. So. I think, you know, it, it's a really beautiful, that's why I loved this episode, because I think it's two smart, um, strong women who happen to be best friends, choosing quite different paths on how to exercise what little power they can in this very fucked up patriarchy.
4: Yeah, I, com- I completely agree with that. And I think, um, for me, the another dimension to it for Alicent as a specific character might get a gloss from that somewhat problematic scene between Aria and Damon um and her talking about liberation from fear. And I think that the as far as a, a character is detailed, the amount of emphasis that they're sort of very tacitly putting on her shredded cuticles suggests that she doesn't feel safe. She doesn't feel supported. She doesn't feel secure with her father. Um, and that Viserys is maybe a way for her to you with someone kind who genuinely cares about her and has the power to, and would give her the power to, um, to protect herself. So I think that there is an element of um, almost like a survival instinct that's coming into it, at least from from my perspective um, on her reactions and and sort of what she's seeing. That like maybe she can be safe with him in a way that she has never been um, before.
1: And yeah, it's a choice. that there, there is not a choice in what she has to do because her da- her dad wants it, right? But. There is a specific choice in not confiding in her friend, just as there's a specific choice from Viserys and not taking his daughter or indeed Lord Corlys aside and not embarrassing them at small councils and just saying, look, you know, I've got to marry. They're trying to force this young girl on me. This is to Rhaenyra. But if the whole point is to secure our line, I'm going to keep you as my heir, but I just need to spit out some kids. So I'm going to go with Alison. You might find that odd and uncomfortable, but she's of childbearing age and this helps us and it helps you as my heir. Um, he could have done the same to Lord Corliss. So he could have taken him aside, side look saying, you will always be my right-hand side. I need your support. I will make amazing marriages for your daughter. You know, If I have a son, if I have daughters, I will marry them to your kids, but I just need to crack out a male ASAP and I can't wait until your daughter's old enough to give me a son." But the way he handles it, the way they both handle it, is so sneaky and therefore makes me feel ill of them. Right.
0: I hope she has sexual agency. I hope she gets to, you know, I think, I hope there is more to it than just being heard, being forced to it. I mean, that's, I'm just saying, I don't, uh, I hope there's more to it. <laughs> it's weird,
1: isn't it? Because Viserys doesn't come across to me as a rapist, but then again, he did let his wife die on the birthing bed and not even tell her what she, he, he was going to do will give her any part i mean she might have made the same choice Ugh. so who knows this yeah. this like he,
4: that he doesn't it doesn't occur to him to like share the conclusions that he comes to i think is part of the reason that people think he's so vacillating is that like he never seems to come to a conclusion but then also yeah like this is the second time in two episodes that he's completely blindsided what should be the most important you know figure to him um first his wife and then his daughter with just not even mentioning like what he had in mind and i i understand that they were two like very different circumstances but it felt like the same kind of like hey you know what you could have just you know let them know <laughs> like given them a, a chance to kind of process it or something i don't know unnecessarily cruel um for her just, for him to not bother
3: well that's why i said i think i think he he that's the reason why i said earlier that i think he's not thinking in a pro he, he he is mentally shaken uh and I think he was so set in in, in one direction that he's going to have that he's going to give, give birth to a son it's going to happen um that when things went very very wrong in the other direction he just he stopped being able to, able to process decisions properly
1: you don't think it's odd that more girls weren't thrown his way or that Given that he's been through such trauma, that you know, he was just sitting alone with his Lego and like no one was around him, would people would courtiers not have been surrounding him?
3: I think it's just some someone who cares about his hobbies, what, what he really likes to do in, in, in life. And for, for one, some people people seem to share in his hobbies, and, and that, that, that's what did it, it. He went with his heart, and his heart ultimately.
1: I'm- I'm not sure that's entirely authentic. I mean, my experience of adult fans of Legos, they don't like
3: anyone touch their Legos. Oh,
4: they don't like it, no. I
3: don't fondling the like that. People who touch the Legos are the most special ones.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, like, I, I mean, I think, you know, there's that whole, like, even dragons get lonely kind of line that happened in the conversation with um, Lena. But, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that she's there his perspective like for him and in the performance in this episode in particular he seemed very hunted to me like that he had this kind of he constantly felt like he was backed into a corner and there was no real answer that anyone could give to him that that would get him out of it and i that element was missing in the scenes with Allison, and i thought that was so subtle and just so brilliantly performed um that yeah like he he might feel safe with her in a very similar way that she does with him which is weird considering their their radically different backgrounds.
1: Yeah, I mean the impression I got from their scenes was actually this could work as a marriage. Um that they're both getting something they need from the other. I mean it's I really want to praise the performances by Paddy Con- constein and the actress playing the young Allison. I just think that the subtlety of some of the physical acting was just superb. I think it could work, guys. I think the 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 They can reign in peace and love and glory. It's going to be fine.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's going to be fine.
0: It's all going to be fine. Yeah. On that note, let's move on. Um, We're going to go to the Sept real quickly, because uh, it's a scene where, for some reason, Renera agrees to accompany Elstan to the Sept, and there she finds comfort in the gods and her friend's company. And I want you to start out by saying this is not the uh, Sept of Baylor because it hasn't, this has not been built yet. So it's another Sept, mm-hmm. uh, a smaller one. Um, yeah, any thoughts?
2: So here you are sitting here with your best friend with uh, about a billion candles with a fire hazard, where you can bear, you know, your soul and, you know, connect with your best friend in some kind of way, and you don't say anything. I, I know that it's, uh, you know, with Otto, my father, this is something I have to do, but. For her to keep it under the hat like that, I just, there's something personally purposeful with that. That's something very agenda-ish with that to me. More than, this is my duty to my father, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I just, it rubbed me the wrong way. And it just, going back to the whole agency thing and with her really kind of having a mind to doing what she's doing is what I have a problem with. with, with that is that is what's not sitting well with me.
1: Yeah, I agree. It doesn't sit well with me and it it doesn't ring true to any female bestie relationship I've ever been in or known of. And I just feel it speaks to something more calculating um, and whether that's good or bad writing and deliberate, I don't know. But you would tell your best friend and you would say, Look, I'm really sorry, I'm being forced into this by dad and I know that your father respects your claim and I promise that when we have kids, if any is a boy, I will still respect your claim, but I'm really sorry this is going to have to, you know, you would just discuss it. You know, they they did so well in the first episode of showing their intimacy, that lovely scene with the godswood. Um, And this it's so moving, you know, your best friend is crying over the death of her mother and you're not going to say anything? (sighs) We
4: saw her flinch when he confirmed that she hadn't told Nira. Um, she had that moment of like, oh, you know, and I, I couldn't totally read that. But then I think in this scene, um, it did, it did feel to me a lot like Addy's younger girlfriend trying to like make nice with his teenage daughter. Like, or he's like, maybe if I can, you know, show her that I'm looking out for their relationship, and that I'm trying to like mend this. Like, it, it seemed like that kind of mindset to me, where she was trying to like show that she could help their relationship rather than interfering with it. Like that she was trying to lay that yeah. kind of work. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't think she, I don't think she would make any of those promises about, you know, not putting her children ahead of, because like, I don't honestly believe that she, you know, I don't think her father would let it happen, but I don't, I don't honestly believe that like she would feel needed to do that. And I She do, wouldn't want
1: that. That's yeah, exactly. Wants. Like that's Yeah, she's a, ambitious. I don't, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's been raised in court. What's the highest thing you can achieve at court? Be queen and have your, have your children be kings and queens. Do you think Otto Hightower realizes that Viserys is still committed to Renera being his heir? Because surely the whole point of marrying Alicent to him is
0: not to have that happen.
1: Or is this something that's just between Viserys and Renera at this point?
0: I honestly think that he de- that Otto does not uh, count Renera as a proper heir, and he can of herself out of that by like, you know.
1: Well, I mean, that's fine, but then you're by implication saying, I don't count Viserys as a proper king with whose word is law. Well, I suppose that's what we're going to get to later, and isn't they it? Made, yeah.
4: They made it clear that this that he was arm-twisted into making her the heir, which again is a frustration that I have with the changes they made from the book, where it seems much less realistic on Hightower's part to think that Viserys would ever set her aside when she's established as the realm's delayed and his. Um, but in this case, like he, it's it was pretty clear in the first episode that like he was forced into not even choice right to make her the heir so i think it's much more reasonable the way the show is setting it up for hightower to think that if there is another option that presents itself in the future that viserys would be likely to take it and i don't think that's unrealistic in this scenario um in ways that that i feel cheapen in Rhaenyra's perspective in the in the forthcoming conflict in ways that i'm not thrilled about but we'll see
1: yeah agreed
0: on that thing i I just think we can because i didn't show uh, talk about it in any other place in the notes i think that the scene between renera's uh, renera and rena uh talking about um uh, the the how things are going to go if there's going to be a male heir for the realm i think that's um yeah i think i think that's basically what he's also counting on that people will come out the woodwork for for a king more so than a queen i think that's fair well i'm gonna I'm gonna move move on courtship in the courtyard with the daughter of the master of ships I call it so Corlys uh, Corliss apologizes for his outburst and offers his twelve year old daughter uh, as Viserys' new queen and um, to so talk to the scenery I like that the garden is close to the ocean because it seems like that that's where the sea snake has his most you know refers to his power there uh, and th- that's every dealing with like actual plotting and or dealing with the sea snake, with Corliss uh, happens in this courtyard by the sea. So I just like that. That's close to his
3: power. Anything else? Poor 12, year. poor 12 year old.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I haven't got anything really to say about this scene because I think it's just straightforward, gets us where we need to go. Apart from the fact that if you think of Alicent being an older version of Leanna, just taught to be an agent of her house and take direct orders from her father, it makes her actions make more sense, I guess. Um, to me, by far, the more interesting thing is Rhaenys giving quite jaded, but probably very good advice to Rhaenyra. And actually, when she was doing that, and I wonder if they've done this deliberately, they've cast her to look very much like a younger version of the Queen of Thorns from Game of Thrones. The idea of the, the sort of jaded, cynical older woman who's been through everything and understands the limits of what you can change as a young woman. That to me was the far more interesting part of
3: this scene. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I watched that scene. Because before, again, first episode, Rainie was always just sort of h- sitting in the background, not doing anything. They, they really finally gave her a character here, and, and, and yeah, it definitely recalls a lot from, uh, of, of Queen of Florence.
2: How many times do you guys think Corliss made Raina practice that bit before she could sit down for dinner?
3: I think she's pretty smart. So probably just she just had to memorize and watch it once or twice, but. Very clearly she memorized line by line. I have no idea what she's saying, what it, what it actually means.
4: Oh yeah. I really admire the way that the writers got us so quickly and so effectively on the side of Viserys marrying Alicent. Because when she first went in and she's like, I have a book, like, It was so cringy for me and it made it it made me so uncomfortable and i was like oh no don't do that don't do that you know and then they're like or you could marry this eight-year-old well don't do that you know and suddenly like she's (laughs) she seems like the much less you know pedophilic choice and like actually kind of reasonable and the his his response like revulsion almost or like extreme discomfort towards the concept of like quote-unquote courting this little girl um I just thought the whole thing was really well done because we, it, at least for me, I went from like very much rooting against his ending up with Allison, which like I understand is inevitable, um, to you know being like, oh my God, if those are the options, like please choose Allison, please.
2: <laughs> I'm sure Viserys is going on in his head too.
1: Yeah, and you know this is part of a consistent thing in this show to to soften Viserys and make him more likable, but I think it's also probably a meta text or a meta video wink at us, the book readers, and saying. We know you're probably thinking, this isn't true to the books. But look, look, let's show you what this would have looked like if we'd done it true to the books. Wink, wink. You're oh, right, right? This oh, is just, good and we can't do this. And I think it's just to say, look, give us a break for changing it because we, has, we have to change it. We can't show you what's on the page because sometimes, you know, when we actually show you, it's just different. So use the Patrick word, it's different.
0: <laughs> it's different, yeah. Um. So... Do we do we just move on quickly again? I think I think I think we got what we needed to talk about here. That uh, yes, it was. I think
3: Becerra wants us to move very very quickly from. This yes, scene. yes.
0: I uh, I would just m-
4: like to go very much contrary to what I assume is popular opinion and say that the conversation between Rhaenys and Rhaenyra was my absolute least favorite part in this episode. I found it reductive oh. and I found it very troubling because part of what I liked so much about the Rogue Prince and the Princess and the Queen was the way that. In my reading at least uh Rhaenys recognized a younger version of herself in rainera and thus chose to support her claim in a way that nobody supported her and this felt this confrontation felt rather uh, it felt more bitter um and i didn't feel any of that empathy or that that sort of fellow feeling as like well if i couldn't be the first queen then maybe she she can and it felt like all of that just got gutted by the scene and i was i was really gutted by that so i hope that that is huh,
1: not I read it differently. So I got the bitterness and the jadedness and that I didn't succeed in doing this and I'm pretty cool. But I got almost like a protective, tough love. And I think Dragon Cars talked about this a little bit as well. To me, it was more like I, I pinned my hopes on achieving this and got so destroyed. Please don't go down that path because it, it's it's heartbreaking. Um, yeah. So I, I took it in a kind of like stern head mistress, but kind of you know doing it for the best of you for, for your best mm-hmm. interests.
4: yeah i don't i yeah i didn't get that at all and i even if she had just acknowledged that i feel like out loud but it just felt so dismissive and so you know you're stupid to think that this could ever even happen like you little fool kind of a thing like cersei talking to to sansa rather than um you know like a, a more potential queen nurturing. of thorns talking to marjorie yeah yeah exactly like yeah. that felt like that felt like actionable advice whereas this just felt like a fucking idiot if you think this is going to happen and and that, like, that of a
2: t-
1: and i'm sure yeah. Rene- yeah. reneira felt the same way and took it that, that way as well hurt,
4: that
3: hurt i mean
1: maybe their show writers are relying on the fact that a lot of people won't have read the books and therefore you can all, almost make them feel that renis looks down on as patronizing reneira so that when eventually she does come to support her it'll be more of a surprise and more of a pleasing podcast
4: mm. yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. I'll I'll go with that, Bruno. Thank you, Bina. You have soothed
1: my my aching. That's what I'm here for. Yay.
0: <laughs> Going to the supper. Then I'm moving quickly now. Uh, supper of the Targaryens. So Viserys tries to con- con- reconcile over or over dinner, and uh, well, first of all, I just need to get this out of the way. Why are they s- there? Are so many eating noises, like drinking and and eating noises in, in, in this scene, it, it completely pulled me out of, of whatever they were talking about. The, uh, the, the whole sound
3: escape. It's oh, called Muck man. The kids are all into it these days. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just didn't notice that at all, Patrick. I think that says more about you than the show.
0: Maybe, but it's, it's still annoying. Anything else? I think personally, uh, that, uh, it's obvious to see that Alison has trying to butter them both up to try to reconcile, but I think still Renera is is like um, being all teenage uh, teenager uh, like, and and well, he needs to do the first step. He must take the first step towards re- reconciliation. I won't do anything unless he takes the first step.
1: I mean, maybe in Alison's defense, by suggesting that she should have you know speak to her father. She's hoping Viserys will come clean to Renera. Maybe she feels it's not her place to go beyond the, the king's instructions and reveal everything to her best friend. But if she makes them have dinner together, then maybe he'll come clean. But otherwise, I just thought this was a very sad, heartbreaking scene about two people who are united in grief but just aren't communicating. And from that, all sorts of ill for them and the kingdom will flow.
0: He definitely dismisses her again for, from her because of her age. Uh, I'm, I'm, and i was actually wanted t- to ask a question whether or not you think he's actually dim- dismissing her because of her gender or her age or maybe both i don't know
2: maybe her
4: age more so maybe a little bit of both because he's his daughter what did you guys think that she was going to say before he cut her off because i wasn't sure where she was like oh i thought i had an insight and he was like oh no no you'll like was she gonna argue for it again or was she gonna say Maybe she realized that he was right, or like I, I don't, I didn't understand what that was meant to imply.
0: Yeah, I think she was reconciliatory. As so I, th- I think she was actually trying to just say, "Well, I wanted to do this," and and you know, trying to make him to understand his her perspective, and and he he just shut her off and said, "No, you're too small to understand this. You'll learn at some point." That's young.
2: what I thought as well.
0: And then she, and then she just went to told teenager, <laughs> put down her. Her cutlery and just sat back like whatever.
2: <laughs> All could have been solved yeah. at the table with loud cutlery.
0: Uh. <laughs> um. So then we go to the uh, what a scene I call Maesters' Call, uh, and the hand of the king and the grand maester both off- offer counsel over a bowl of maggots. And I see here that Otto is not. In 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 love with the uh, the idea of the sea snake trying to beat him at his own game. Uh, I like I like this scene a lot actually because it's you see Otto you know offering advice and and trying to not not show his cards too directly, but uh, he's always you know saying she is twelve, she is very young and stuff like that. So he's not necessarily he's he's very good at getting his opinion through but not showing it as his own opinion just agreeing disagreeing by agreeing
4: i agree and i also wanted to say about the scene that this is the only audible reaction i had to the episode and what i yelled at my tv is oh my god that's not rice um (laughs) (laughs) which was very upsetting for me but i i do i really admire the kind of banal grotesquerie that they're building into this world where it's just like gross back then like walk around with a rotting finger. And like the solution was to let maggots eat it while you're having a conversation with your hand in a bowl of them, you know? And it was something that struck me in the last episode too much more sort of, you know, in the face, much like the gentleman who passed at the tourney RIP. Um, but I just thought this was another sort of thread of that or another another note of that. And it was so realistic and so casual, but also so striking um, that I that I was really impressed by. Not rice. I
3: guess Grand Maester is like, like, Paisal was really, really bad. This guy, somehow, I, I feel is even worse. <laughs> he's completely heartless in everything that he does. It's just like, And, like, he's probably a better person than Paisal, but he like, has no emotions. <laughs> Put your hand into that bowl of maggots. It's, uh, it's definitely good for you.
0: Oh, maggots aren't necessarily bad, is it, Bing? That's one of the few things that are, you know...
3: Ding. I'm I, I'm not sure about the medical efficacy of a giant bowl of maggots.
4: Yeah, no, eating your. It's flesh. actually it's actually something that's still used today for um.
3: Is it? like an organic debridement. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's a it's, it's a
4: legitimate. I mean, I would never do it, but it's it is a a treatment that is still applied to um just apply maggots to a wound because they're they're very very precise at removing only the dead flesh and leaving the um viable tissue untouched. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's gross. And 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 the, and the guy just and the mate the grandmaster just sort of he just I don't know he doesn't feel like a he, he's there, there's something completely non he's a robot he seems to be robot. yeah he, well not even just that he's a robot it's like it's, he, he, he's even deader than his the robot. Bedside know, his bedside matter is
4: extremely just...
0: poor oh <laughs> uh, no uh, it's it's a uh, it's a theory he uh, that grandmaster is a robot from the future
3: okay. Yeah. Sure, I don't know. I don't know. I just this guy the, 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 this guy rubs me in the in the wrong way much much more than even Pysel, which is kind of
2: quacky for me too. Like,
4: do you really know what you're doing? Is this gonna work? I still got this big boil on my back. Right. I feel like he's he's like Pysel at least had a, a kind of you know gross humanity to him. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh well, he has hobbies, right? But like, um, this guy feels so by the book. In a way that I guess arguably like the I- ideal Maester might be, um, where he's he's so knowledge focused that he's like, Yeah, this is what it's says to do in the book. And then there's like no thinking beyond that in terms of like empathy or like what that would actually do to someone's body or, or emotion the emotional impact of like those suggestions that he's making. Yeah, I totally agree. I think but I think it's a fascinating kind of like this is what pure knowledge looks like, you know, when you don't have any kind of heathy to temper it.
0: Yeah, I mean that's also interesting because you, you would that this this is alluded to when we see you know book scenes uh, at the at the citadel that some masters don't really care about anything else than the book learning there that, that they have and it might be that this grand master didn't even want to you know partake in, in real you know politics like in unlike Pascal definitely wanted to so so i think that that might be a thing that this guy is just purely there for the job He's he sees himself as the you know, the king's maester.
4: He has and tenure it. and he really just wants to focus on his research.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like something you know about.
4: <laughs> yeah. I am familiar with the uh with the mindset. Okay.
0: Uh well in at that um or shortly after um when when he eats dinner with I think it's uh with Alicent uh, and another small council gets called an emergency small council, and at this small council, they uh, they discussed Prince Daemon's theft of the dragon egg. And after learning that it was the little prince's dragon uh, egg that Daemon stole, Rosaria sends Otto to retrieve it.
1: I think it is a key point that it's it's Rhaenyra who has the presence of mind to ask precisely which egg was stolen, and to see the depth of the offense that was caused. Um, it just shows her, her both her smarts, her loyalty and that she really can understand probably better than her father what Damon is about and in some ways it's maybe more similar to him
4: So shout out again to the High Valyrian acting I, I just yeah. am so amazed at how seamlessly they've incorporated that into the show as a, as a language that still allows for emotion and, and nuance and it's just beautiful to listen to
2: So are they naming the dragons even before they hatch? I was Taken a little bit by surprise that they—it's
0: Dreamfire. No, it's not Dreamfire. It's the Dreamfire's egg. Dreamfire made it.
2: Oh, got it. That makes so much more sense now.
0: So yeah, Uh, is it sedition? (laughs) Uh, I think uh, I don't think ever Damon, uh, you know, uh, encourages people to take up arms against the king. In in any of the things he does. So it Why sedition- that, why is
1: the City Watch, which is the watch of the city of King's Landing on fucking Dragonstone? Yes, it's sedition. I mean there's a letter in the spirit of the law, my friend. And if you hole up on an island, which is the seat of Princess Rhaenyra with a with a flipping mini militia, nick a dragon's egg. I mean, I think your intent is pretty clear. Don't be seditious, don't don't
3: I think it's it's uh, it's it is edition it's just more of a more like a petulant fit than anything that's really serious yeah and
1: it's really dumb jock bollocks isn't it i mean like the wife's not or the future wife's not even pregnant yet the whole thing's just nonsense the fact that he casually tosses the egg back when some teenager shows up and outmans him i mean it's just embarrassing i would be very embarrassed at that point he needs to go and sit in the corner and think very carefully about what he's done. It was a temper tantrum.
4: It was deliberately provocative, and if and, and he almost succeeded, right, in having Viserys go and confront him directly, dragonless. Um, and I mean, I don't know that I don't know if or that he would have killed Viserys in that moment, but he certainly opened himself up a hell of an
1: opportunity to take the throne by force. The whole thing was annoying. When Viserys is like, "What should I do? Send him to the wall or put his head on a spike?" I was like either of those are better alternatives to what you're going to do now, which is precisely flipping. <laughs> Zero, he's sending Otto Hightower to go see him. You don't send someone without a dragon to a to a dragon fight. oh it just this really pissed me off. It's such bad kingsmanship. I mean, I get he likes his Lego, and that's great. Mm-hmm. And that he's not, he's not as nasty as Roborathi and many of the other kings that we have seen come and go. Like he seems like in some respects quite decent. But and he wants to do what's right. But oh no, just put his head on a spike and be done with it, man.
3: Like I said, he should never be king. Yeah, if he does anything else in his life, would be much, much better.
4: So, who's the other Kingsguard who goes to Dragonstone? There's Chris Cole, and then who's the one who just looks real worried the whole time? Because I really enjoyed his reactions
3: to. Harry Westerling. Okay. okay. I just not. Name.
4: yeah, his his reaction yeah. to Hightower's <laughs> dick
1: swinging in that scene is brilliant, dude. Like, real. <laughs> it's just Crocodile Dundee. Call that a knife. This is a knife. I mean, like, go I around exactly with like, a you know, knife. You- 20 people with spears, and then a massive fuck off dragon turns up, which you know is going to turn up because you know that the guy in question has a dragon. So, I don't know, Otto Hightower thinks he's all Machiavellian, but he was saved by a 16 year old on a very small dragon. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> I think all the men look dumb in this scene. I think, all of them. I think that was the yeah.
4: moment to me that really cemented the idea that the Dance of Dragons is not about fuckers. It's about the dragons. You know what I mean? And like that Otto Hightower can tease as big a player as he wants to, but Targaryens really are on another level. Um and they really do have this this edge that puts them closer to divinity than um than any sort of machinator can ever really hope to hope to be.
1: Yeah, brains are nothing against the weapons of mass mass destruction. And it's why I've always always really disliked dragons in this series because I think they really unbalance and unhinge the plot because they're such a ridiculous um, sort of disproportionate force relative to even the richest, most powerful, conventionally armed lord that I think they just make, Kind of the stakes and the tension in storytelling very difficult. Well, they're unanswerable. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I hear there's lots of Targ fans on on off on the Discord and in this community, but I've always found fa- found it just narratively and un- not helpful.
4: <laughs> but I do think that they're in this particular scenario there is they are answerable and th- i mean the answer is the same just from the other side but i i think that that was made so explicitly clear at how how precarious this balance is but how evenly matched they are in that that sort of mutually assured destruction kind but of way but they
1: they're not they're not answerable are they because you know you see the size of i mean obviously it's so cool when Renera shows up on her mini dragon but if if Damon had really decided to go you know full tonto he could have used his dragon which is 10 times the size hers, to just fucking roast her
4: i think that's true but i don't i don't necessarily think from a from a sort
1: of more casual i think we're just
4: supposed to see dragons like i don't i don't know that like the dragon brackets are necessarily supposed to be featuring in the way that we're thinking about it i thought you know the way that they were squared off on the bridge and and the way that all of the you know mortal humans kind of just froze and and were suddenly completely no longer relevant to anything that was happening. Um and it was just between the two yeah. of them. I thought that was like the the really powerful um
1: I agree, which is why I find the dragons a distraction because actually that human moment when she says to her uncle, if you want the throne, you have to kill me. Like this is what it means. And he actually can't bring himself to because he is fond of her and vice versa. And I thought that was such a beautiful moment. And the fact that she could somehow intuit he was lying about the pregnancy. What what was that about, guys? That was really interesting. Yeah. Is there some secret dragon instinct, or is it she knows her uncle too well, or yeah. what? Just a lucky guess, Agatha Christie style? I mean, I, I don't know. What was going on? Was it before or after she turned and walked away,
4: that Rainier knew for sure that she wasn't pregnant? Because I thought maybe it was like, you said I was pregnant? Fuck you. And then she just turned around <laughs> and walked off. Like, yeah. I didn't know if it was the reaction that conveyed it to her, but I can't. I can't remember how the timing went down.
0: No, I think she just confronted confronted him with the idea of her being pregnant and um, <clears throat> his wife um, just what learned of it right, right at that moment, and then she stormed off because she wouldn't have none of that, any of that. So, so yeah, I think I, th- I think she just called his bluff. I think.
1: Yeah. She was such an interesting character. I loved the fiancé. Um,
3: yeah, I
1: thought it was just very, very nuanced and very sort of interesting sort of reactions from her. And, and I just want to see more of them as a couple and see where that goes and see more of her. Um, the only thing I didn't like, obviously, as I mentioned, was the accent because it just came across as very Shea the Funny Whore. And so, yeah, 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 just less of that, please.
0: So what did you think about Dragonstone as a, as a place, as a, as a scene? I thought it looked
1: pretty badass. No complaints.
0: Not no Did it change. No from Game of Thrones. Is
3: it no? It, it kind of looks like the same.
0: Yeah, that's my problem. I I would have hoped that they they would have uh, added some sort of dragon, you know, stonework on it. But no,
2: it didn't look very dragony. Not
0: really. No.
2: <laughs> I was
1: expecting. Yeah, that but we have not done. been in, have we? I mean, maybe we'll see more of it and we'll see more up close stuff.
0: Hope hopefully, but it's still hash. It's still not my dragon stone. Um. Um, it's different. It's different, yeah. Um so Maester the Grand Maester was there. Did you notice? Yes. And I don't I don't understand why he was there, because he does not have anything to do with the dragons. Why why is he there? Is he just there to get roasted if, if, if everything goes wrong?
2: <laughs> Take notes. Yeah. I, I mean it's
1: just dumb. record uh record what happens. Oh maybe yeah. A second small council member in case Otto, you know, you need one dies, one is still there. Plan B, backup, checking Otto doesn't go rogue. I don't know. Seemed very odd. Somebody has to tell the story, the tale, I guess.
0: Also, want to mention your comment about Le Creuset. Uh the Le Creuset, uh, you know, pot that they put the dragon in, Dragony to. That
1: was awesome. That was Dragony, man. Oh, and I, I just feel that Le Creuset have a good line in doing crossover fantasy nerd. Yeah. Put- Highly expensive cook where they did the R two D two casserole, and I feel that they could very easily do a sort of like a dragon egg warming casserole pot. And me and Vali would probably be the suckers to buy them. I would one hundred percent buy
4: that, and then never ever use to cook. Yeah, but I would. Yeah, know oh, I could really. Like, I would just look at
0: it. Somewhere.
1: It would just look very pretty. Oh, uh, I would use the hell out of mine.
0: It's a giant size egg cooker, um, Le Creuset version. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I was, I just want to add that it looked really cool when, when R'nera came, like literally swooping up to save the day underneath the, from underneath the clouds, that was really, it was really a good seeing that. Um,
4: I thinking about the the incubator, just one more second. I think it's really interesting that the sharp contrast that we have in the very efficiently managed, uh, dragon sort of day to day with the, with the dragon keepers and in contrast to. Danny trying to, like, muddle her way through, like, what the fuck to do with these? And she's like, oh, maybe I should put them in the fire. But they, like, have a specially designed, you know, ready to go, already filled with coals, like, pop that baby in there and we'll take it back to, you know, it's, it, it's so the contrast between, like, the dragon knowledge and the sort of, yeah, like, the everyday nature of it is fascinating for me. And it's like, it's just so routine um, in a lot of ways that are very strikingly contrasted with um, our first introduction to dragons and their eggs.
1: Yeah, and it is lovely, like I say, just seeing that sort of somehow governmental infrastructure functioning is fascinating mm-hmm. for those of you who know it as it's dregs in Game of Thrones.
0: But it's also funny, right? Because it's, you know, it doesn't do anything. We know, we know this, that dragon eggs, they hatch, you know, near like Targaryens or at least other dragons. So having it like that, would they want it just to hatch on its own? Usually, they would put it in the bed of a, like in the cradle of an of a newborn Targaryen, right? To have it create a hatch there. But only
1: a royal
0: newborn Targaryen, which is
1: the whole beef, right, between uh, yeah. Daemon and his big bro.
0: But they could have just carried it home in, in their hand, right? Because it wouldn't. Oh, make where's that of
1: to... that? I mean, come on, You've got that yeah. pomp and circumstance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have, um, yeah, we have toys now. We can we can uh, dream about. Um, I mean,
1: that's like saying, like, you know, Prince William can take a cab, an Uber to Westminster Abbey for his wedding. But no, we have a golden state coach. We shall use it, you know.
3: <laughs> sure.
0: Um, so, moving on. So, then the king, after this awesome scene, uh, the king uh, seeks even smaller counsel. He, uh, he seeks strong counsel, actually, Lionel Strong's ca- counsel about what to do about marriage. And I'm, I'm I mean, it's not my strong, but it's a good scene. It's it shows a level-headed kind of like a person noble that that would just give sound advice. Uh and although it's not very, you know, we don't want a 12-year-old to be married, but but it's sound advice from a political standpoint.
4: It was nice to just hear a conversation where people said stuff that made sense and what they were thinking and the other person listened and like said stuff back. <laughs> It was refreshing.
3: So it shows, again, a functioning small council, or at least one functioning small council member, someone who was actually there, to do his job properly, unlike all the people that sit in a small council in every single iteration of Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah, and also, I mean, it's a contrast, because even when Coralus Valerian tries to reconciliate with, with the Viserys and tries to oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but here's my daughter. Uh, and uh, and maybe even Viserys know or can pick up on his on uh, Otto's you know handiwork when when uh, when Alicent has has been you know shoved his way. I think I think it's just meant to be like this refreshing um, you know advice counsel that is not doesn't have any necessary strings attached to it. He's just saying what he thinks is the right uh, course of action.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
0: Next scene I call re- reconciliation. So Viserys starts out scolding Rhaenyra for, you know, flying to Dragonstone without his leave, uh, but ends the conversation by reconciling. It's a good scene what it is. Anyone else want to add anything?
3: So Viserys was very reasonable in this scene. He, 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 you know, he has to act like a king and say king things over, ultimately, uh, realizes that eh, she did a good job.
0: But if he's already decided that he wanted to marry Allison here, then it's sort of disingenuous the, the last and the end of that conversation so,
3: though. Um, I actually don't think he decided at that point yet.
0: No, no, I'm not sure. But if he had, then it would be then it
3: then yes, it's yes. really bad. Then yeah. Yes, that would be really bad. But I don't think he, he has it.
4: I was Allison there?
0: Um oh you we're going you're already did uh, I... the announcement. Oh I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Cause... But but I, I agree,
1: Sarah. I was looking at like, isn't that a giant tip off when he starts on? I'm I'm going to marry someone, yeah. and Lord Corliss starts puffing himself up as like, do you yeah. not notice the new bald teenager that's just entered the room? Yeah, I mean, I didn't understand
4: yeah. the shock that accompanied her. Just like, I just came to bring you your mail, Daddy. You know, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really feel like she would have been a regular, you know, visitor. In there.
0: I think I think maybe I think maybe the two who are shocked, like Corliss and Renera just couldn't fathom the idea of of of, of uh, Elsa being uh, an actual suitable mate mate to uh, to um so i think it's just they didn't conceive it
4: thought that little go ahead nod that he that he looked for from her was so heartbreaking because she she clearly it as a moment that they had like finally connected, and like he really did care what she thought. Yeah. And he was like, "Great, I'm gonna nuke your whole future. Thanks for the go ahead. You uh-huh. know, thanks for the thumbs up." Like, uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
4: there was a the the scene um
2: before Otto went to Dragonstone. Just to back up, just like super duper fast um when she was helping him in his mail, and the when he just kind of she tried to pull away, and he just kind of grabbed her when he noticed her anxiety hands and. I just, what did you guys, if you guys didn't even notice that, what did you guys actually take from that scene? What it, What did you guys think about the way he pulled her in and the, the way how she almost kind of like recoiled at her father?
4: That's where a lot of my feelings about why she is, I don't even want to say attracted to Viserys, but like why she's interested in Viserys or why she's, you know, feels affection for him is because of those feelings of anxiety and fear that she has no one to to protect mm-hmm. her from her father, especially after her mother died, right? Like so we get a a version of that with Lena where, you know, he's like, this is what my father said to me. He's like, okay, but what did your mom say? And like the message is very different, you know, and she doesn't have that mom message anymore. Um, just as so she's becoming um an adult woman.
2: And it was really just this kind of reminiscent of maybe like a a young young woman, a young girl who is trying to escape a very bad like domestic situation or unhealthy dynamic with her father, and she runs off and gets
4: married. Yeah, that was totally the vibe that I got from it. yeah, that whether it's like yeah openly incestuous, i don't I don't, but I think it's certainly possessive to a you know, a disturbing degree, and that he clearly comments on how attractive she is. and um yeah he's he's real sus in that scene <laughs> and um i certainly can yeah. see where she would be you know doing everything in her power to to kind of get out of that and marrying up um you know there isn't much up from from the hand of the king and she's sort of taking the one one out that she has to, to get someone who could actually yeah. overrule him i hated that he was so shocked that Rhaenyra was shocked but well, i thought we you know and i'm like
0: to be fair, I think in the books he's also, you know, painted as a bit of a doofus. So yeah, yeah.
4: Um,
0: so I think that's the most true to the books he's ever been. Uh, <laughs> right I'm there. Um, so um, you know, Cora stomps uh, stomps off, and uh, basically the next scene we see him, and he's invited Damon over for a nice cup of plotting, um, and uh, well, it's about taking the stepstones. What do you think about that?
3: Game thrones stuff happening
0: it's funny though yeah so so that's the game of thrones stuff we've we've had the game of thrones intro like 50 minutes ago and then just a the few last minutes we get something that's slightly game of thronesy that's uh they could i i just think they should should have done a different intro like
3: different intro I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Arrangement. I think the
4: Valerian study or wherever they were, like the sitting room, was such a testament to a level of complexity and detail and thought that has gone into the world building from like the the props department and the set construction and stuff. Like he had he had such creepy shit in there and somehow it felt more like um more like Pike or, you know, one of the Reaver Islands than it did. Um, the the castles and the the settings that we've seen so far, like it just had this like dampness to it that I can't even explain. <laughs> um, but it was such a brilliant uh, atmospheric creation that they that they put together for that scene, and sort of panning over it, and then seeing him talking to someone and wondering who it was. Like I don't know, it was just such a great um, such a great scene for me. I really enjoyed it.
3: Yeah, I agree. Very very good cinematography. Um, very well acted. Uh, I think by uh, uh, Stephen Tosan, I think, is the actor for forless. Yeah, Again, that's another thing that I, uh, I I said in the first episode. I wasn't sure exactly who this character is. Again, yeah, second episode, now I have a much better idea who, who what Valerian Valerian's about.
4: I think they're also doing a really good job of making Damon more sympathetic than he has any right to be. And that was something that I always found kind of striking in The Princess and the Queen and The Rogue Prince too, where you're like, you really want to hate him, but like they're giving him these moments of of vulnerability and sort of genuine care for his brother or or his niece and um you know i think bina mentioned like the body language and when he's with uh, um and he just kind of collapses um and just needs someone to hug him um i i saw that in the scene too and he's like you know i can talk shit about my brother but he's still my brother um and you can't (laughs) um you know i i like what they're doing with him even though i don't want to like him i i do and i appreciate when a show is able to do that
2: it's certainly a highlight for me as well. Overall, in the show, how they kind of elevate him in that way. It, um, no matter how much I want to hate him or say he's disgusting and all these awful things, the way they're writing into that and the way they're weaving their vulnerability into him, I think it just kind of elevates him as a character overall. Yeah,
1: I agree, for sure.
0: I think he's he's supposed to be a douche and and be immature and and like have machismo, right? He's like he doesn't like. You know he jests and and gets uh and gets mm-hmm. uncomfortable when people you know knock him down a little uh, from his pedestal, uh and then and then he sometimes just you know still has his own code of honor. Like it's not like <laughs> it's not like our code of honor, but he's still, he still has something he will just won't do, uh, especially about family. Weird
3: giant fat yeah. boy. He is. And he gathered his giant frat from Dragonstar.
4: I feel like he has much less hateable Theon Greyjoy energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jerk with a heart of gold. Maybe that's a good trope for him.
0: Yeah, definitely a jerk. I mean, (laughs) I'm not sure about
4: toxic masculinity, though, you know, where he's like, it's it's so much of it as a performance and the swagger and the unnecessary risk taking. And then, you know, he's with his whore. He just feels sad and his
0: penis. It doesn't Uh. work. I think I think you're completely right. I think it's yeah, toxic masculinity bowled up to a, into a prince. That's uh yeah. That's that's I think that's right very correctly. And I don't and I don't think that's disingenuous to the character either in the books. I think that's completely fair to portray him like this. Yeah,
4: absolutely. I I think that the translation of his character from page to screen has been really satisfying for me so far. Um, especially in contrast to some of the other choices that they've made. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I don't think they've done him dirty at all and
0: I, I appreciate that. Do anyone want to come with some uh, get you know, join in with closing notes for, for this episode?
3: Pirates are they trying to play them up as some sort of really, really horrifying monsters or mm, they look weird? Yeah. And the idea that I like to feed crabs of people is kind of funny.
4: I just though. I totally agree. I felt like coming back to that crab feeder imagery as many times as they did in the episode was unnecessary. Like I felt like it was really striking the first time, the second time I was like, okay, I get it. They feed people to crabs. And then the third time I was like, the fuck it's fucking crabs. They're still feeding people to them. You know, like we get it. Um, Do they have grayscale or is that something I completely misread?
0: No, I I thought that as well, but I also thought that the very last scene that we would see the drag uh, Damon's dragon flying over and, you know, torch
3: them.
4: The world's largest crab bake. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. I think we're gonna see that next episode. We're gonna see a giant crab.
4: <laughs> Throwing some ears of corn and some Cajun seasoning and you got you've got a party on the stone. Oh, you're making me hungry, stop.
0: <laughs> okay, so anything else?
4: I'm stoked for next week. I can't wait to see more.
1: Oh yes.
0: Yeah, it's actually quite good. I mean, it's it's improved for me as well. When we get, get rid of the gratuitous, uh, you know, violence against women, then it's, it's it jumps yeah. <laughs> in my book, at least. So that's good. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe they'll have some next
4: time. <laughs> There's always hope, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, no. That, I, I, do, I wouldn't say that. But yeah. Uh, it's not without the realm of possibility for them
4: just i read somewhere that there's something like three or four like excruciating childbirth scenes in the first six episodes or something like that so i mean i think the odds are ever in our favor that we'll get some violence but i do i mean this is such a weird thing to say but i was thinking with the c-section like it was refreshing in like the most horrible possible way to see extremely gendered violence playing out against a woman that was not like which you know speaks to the nature of the world that that it's you know (laughs) like the bars underground with how they treat women but like I did think that that was a very um, striking choice as an introduction to this world to suggest that women are expendable um, that they are very much secondary in terms of consideration if they're ever considered at all that they have this very singular purpose but yet without making it a a sexual violence that happened Um, I thought that was admirable it was still just absolutely gut-wrenching and and i still like hear her screaming in my head but um but i i appreciated wow. the way that they hit a different note i guess is maybe the best way to
0: yeah anything else um just in regards to the theme of um the way women's agency is um largely controlled by uh, the patriarch society um i feel like um with uh, this episode uh, they've uh, uh, made it more uh, fantasy rather than paralleling our own world, which I think is a bit different. We'd have liked just the uh, photo to uh, family like rather than didn't get the last bit. So do you say it was more fantasy this time than than actual? You know, parallels to to our time or was that your? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, think so. Yeah, and is for me that would be a good thing. But is that is not that's not a good thing for you? That's d- disappointing? Um, I just kind of um like um my media chef some form of philosophical point. Yeah, I guess there's something media is a way of, you know, conveying thoughts that, you know, is present in in current day society and whatever you read into, you know, literature or media is sort of a reflection of problems you deal with today. So I guess that's completely correct that there are, like understandable that you would wish for it to be as apparent as what la- was last time, but I don't. I, sometimes I just want stra- I just want dragons. Um, I guess <laughs> personally, and yeah, and we got some, so that's good. Um, yeah, I do it, but, so it's car, but uh, I can't say it. But um, yeah, we're, um, met your needs of um and helped you uh pacify you, yeah, prevent you your baking leads again okay. yes the violence the 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 mere threat of violence sated my my warrior soul so so that was good
3: i was going to say there was almost zero
0: violence this episode no but the, the threat
3: the, of the people.
0: the threat of of violence and dragons eating people that was enough i have i've grown soft for the years um but i'm going to end it here and i'm going to say thank you guys for listening uh, everyone out there on on uh. The various distribution sites that we appear on. Um, remember to remember, listeners, that we have we have a sprawling community of people all around the world, and we are very welcoming. If if any of you um, want to dis- uh, join the discussion, maybe just on the, uh, on in in text, or or maybe even at some point join in on our podcast. You can uh, find us on Discord. And yeah, as I said, we're very, very welcoming. We, we want to get more opinions into these casts. Otherwise, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, just, you know, the things, the doobly-doos and the bells and everything that, that brings us, distributes our, our show to more people. So if you like to do that, do that. If not, it's fine. Um, can... And in <laughs> uh, any case, uh we had the Wolf Cast, We'll say thank you and and end with an aru. So three, two, one.
3: What is dead, we never die.
0: Oh, we have we have a fake. We have a crack in here as well. Yeah, of course. Um, but in any case, uh, thank you guys. Eat.
3: Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, it's great. This
1: is awesome.
2: Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Patrick.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: Okay, it took a while to do it.
1: No, I added.
0: I added him. Okay, so what did you write? Just write join.
1: I wrote the same, but obviously the imperialist nature, the tone of my voice, the command, and the gravitas of the vena. (laughs)
0: Uh, I I think that you think you're actually right, and maybe I just don't have the right there.
1: No, I think what happened was is when I typed forward slash join, it then gave me a list of channels Ah. to have him join. So then it was kind of like channel colon. So that's cool.
0: Yeah, okay. But, di- but didn't Patrick Patrick's people colonize the colonizers So
1: Patrick's people being what the Vikings.
0: It Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um I think that's technically true, but you know, we just clean the slate and then you start anew. You're, you're like a you're like a grandpa imperialist, a grand period. Yeah. Or like vanish, clean stuff up and then people can, yeah. you know, get you know, start anew. Yeah,
1: unlike the British, you don't pillage all their sort of artifacts.
0: So. <laughs> oh well, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, there was a few incidents, but uh, you know, let's get into that. Okay. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop. Bing, can I
1: ask where Bing? Can I ask where your um, forum name came from? Why were you Shu I
3: don't remember at this point. It's two decades ago,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <So> you said. <laughs> <use> your name.
3: <laughs> in other forums. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
4: Our Aru attracted my... They all came in and they like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> they all look very concerned. So maybe I didn't do it right, but anyway.